Hey there out there. You are once again deeply tuned in to the Real People Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ginsberg. I hope your Monday is off to a great start. No, I hope your Monday is going so well that you are in disbelief at how good this Monday is. You're saying to yourself, the rest of this week is going to be absolutely amazing based on how much success I'm having getting through this Monday. What a great day. What a great day to be alive. It's spring. Everything's in bloom. My career is taking off. Man, this is going to be a great week. I hope that's where you're at right now. I'm feeling good. Why? I have a great guest for you today. Daniel Janine is on the show. Daniel Janine, ladies and gentlemen. Daniel is a media personality, a New York City stand-up comic, and co-host of the Eater's Digest podcast. He's out there in the food world moving the dial. And I got to talk to Daniel Janine, which I am absolutely stoked about. Before we get started today, I have one promo if you don't mind one plug for you hey if you're looking to laugh on a wednesday night at 7 30 p.m turn off judge judy and come out to the village idiot comedy show hosted by andrew ginsburg me and isaac gartenberg my partner we bring you the best comics in new york city every other wednesday our next show is on wednesday april 21st at 7 15 p.m we have a great lineup including mike kramer kate robards Daniel Janine, who's on this episode, Ian Finance from Ian's Infinite Playlist on Sirius XM, Brendan Sagalow, and our featured guest, Karen Fian from the Only Fian's podcast. So come and check it out, all right? My 30-second deep thought this week is around Bar Rescue. I saw an advertisement that said that the show Bar Rescue is coming back. Do you guys remember that show? It was hosted by that guy, John Taffer. Hopefully you remember or you won't find this 30-second uh, deep thought very interesting. But he was the guy who, when the bar was failing and the, the managers couldn't figure it out, the TV show, he'd come running in and go, Ah, you got to make people sick. This is a disgusting bar. You're pouring that beer at 37 degrees, and now everybody's going to get blackballed and get sick. You're a horrible business owner. Like, where, where is that? Okay, he's back now. Where have you been, bro, the last year, dude? With this pandemic going on, don't, didn't you miss like a, a big opportunity to scream, shut it down? You're going to make people sick while we were shutting it down and making people sick. And you're back now. You had nothing to say about 75 people crammed inside of a bike lane the last year. But but you have a huge problem when, you know, you didn't clean out that ice tray. Now everybody's going to get sick. This place is the worst. You know, like where, where have you been, bro? I'm glad you're back now, though. That's all. I just wanted to call you out. But come on my show if you're listening, John Taffer. Come, I'll interview you. I'm sorry for what I just said. I, I didn't mean it. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let's bring on Dan Janine. Daniel Janine is a media personality and a New York City-based comedian. You probably know him as the co-host of the Eater's Digest podcast and recognize him from the various videos he produces for Eater.com. I know Dan from watching him do stand-up all over the city, crushing it with the killer jokes for five people in the bike lane around Manhattan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think Dan is an incredible guy. Um, he's so funny, so interesting. He's out there moving the dial in the food world, but he's also hustling stand-up at night. Um, truly one of the more remarkable people that I've gotten the opportunity to speak to over the last year. Uh, I'm grateful that he did the show. We talked about a lot of interesting stuff, his early comedic influences, his time interning at the Howard Stern Show, exploring restaurants and food at a young age and how that informed his perspective as he got older. We talked about his journey into food media and what he thinks is next for him as an entertainer. I'm very thankful that Daniel Janine came on the show. It was a really fun interview. Without further ado, introducing my buddy, Daniel Janine. 
Hey, Dan. Hey. Dan Janine. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the Real People podcast. So I know, because I've listened to these now, I know that you spend, um, I just realized this, I know that you spend some time and actually do work uh, doing good intros for people. Yeah. And because I've done a few pods, um, that's the worst part, right? Yeah. Because you can, you can write something and then record it and it doesn't work. And you can end up spending like two hours yeah. for an intro. I think you should just tell people to introduce themselves and say, but you know what? You do the whole... Eh, Dan, know. will you introduce yourself? Because no, I don't really know what you. to no. say about you. No, no, no. No, no now it's going to be... You're going to have... I know, I'm just thinking about how you're going to be faced with that. It, do, it does take... It takes like me like an hour and a half to do the intros. Ugh. And I think of them like Ugh. chores. Like yeah. I'm like... I did this whole interview and I'm super excited about it. And now yeah. this weekend at some point I have to take two hours and like repeat myself, <laughs> like introducing somebody until it sounds good. And you know, if you mess up, like, like if I say like one word kind of shittily, like I can't articulate myself, like I can't mm-hmm. speak, then I have to redo the whole intro. I will say as you get better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I meant it more like in general. Yeah. Um, sure. As you get better. I think that like the people that I like that are ultra pros. Yeah. The Howard Stearns, Marins, whatever, Rogans, they don't, they build in the, the fuck ups into what they say, right? So yeah. if they're like, you know, he was born in Toronto and Ontario, uh, whatever, somewhere in Canada. Yeah. And you'll hear that in the intro. And I know like you take it more seriously. So you would redo it and get it right. Right. But I'm sure you got it right. Anyway, we can, <laughs> we can move on to what you actually want to talk about. <laughs> well, I'm just super, I'm, I, you know, I'm stoked that you're doing this show. Um, Obviously, sure. I hope I've like you I, shouldn't be, but yeah. I, <laughs> I hope I've demonstrated that to you by thanking you over and over again. I'm not sure if I thanked you enough. Yeah, no, I think you've thanked me enough. And also, yeah, okay. There, there's like, you've told me about like open micers that have like 70 followers, and you're like, dude, do you think I can get that guy on the pod? <laughs> and <laughs> so I, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Relative to that, I'm a fucking catch. Yeah, I know. You know, you are. That's true. But yeah, yeah you should be setting your sights <laughs> higher. I'm working my, my way up. It's to funny it. because like I don't want you to be excited about the fact that I'm here, but I yeah. know that you are. But I don't want you to be. But I, I I'll take the I'll take the credit. But I don't. Yeah. I want you to get past that. But yeah. Well, but, I'm excited. I'm excited that you're here. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say this mainly because you're my friend. Okay. And you're doing. Well, it. that's now insulting, but. <laughs> You know, I have a reasonably successful podcast at Vox Media. <laughs> so a couple of viral YouTube videos. And I was going to second to that. Emerging stand-up comic. Yeah, but on. I think you're really funny. Yeah. And I, I admire you is what I was going to. I was going to compliment you, you know? And so, yeah. I know how mad you're going to be when you're listening to this because I keep, I'm, I'm, I have horrible attention issues and I'm going to adjust this mic the entire time. And you know what? <laughs> to, to people who are listening, I yeah. would say, give Andrew a break. You're going to hear the <laughs> mic adjustments and it's not him being an amateur. It's Thank just you. because I'm a fidgeter. Oh, yeah, uh, that's okay. Uh, okay, I, w- I was actually I was subconscious I will derail your show that you hate the, the sound quality. So I'm glad that that's not the that's not what's going on. Oh no no no! I, you're, I mean I will. You have the top sound quality in. I would say of the New York <laughs> comedy scene podcasts that I've heard, you have by far the top qu- sound quality. Thank and you. I will also say that means nothing. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> of the se- people with 70 followers and we're trying to get on my show, I yeah, have the best sound you quality. Have the best one. Well, I you have the put, most basic sound setup. You, you don't put have. an omnidirectional mic in the corner of a room and have seven dudes talking into it. That's true. You know, I take I, it seriously. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I'm proud of the setup, Dan. Mm-hmm. But let's. Let's dive in. Yes, I'm very excited that you're here because you're a success- you have a, a moderately successful podcast with Vox Media. You're a media personality and uh, an aspiring stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always thought you're an interesting guy since I've had the pleasure to start talking to you. Almost, it's almost been a year that we've been friends. Yeah. Um, but I, if 
there's so much to dive into with you. I feel like that I've 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 been kind of dwelling on what will I talk to Dan about. I really hope you're not really dwelling, but go on, yeah. Well, I was dwelling a little bit. Okay. Not a ton of dwelling, some dwelling, but uh, yeah, it's like. I really kind of want to ask you about the beginnings of your sense of humor, though, first. Oh, is that God. all right with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's like, because you're Canadian. Sure. Is that a secret? Do people know you're Canadian? Like, do you, do you say, like, are you proud to be Canadian? <laughs> um, <laughs> the other day I was saying to someone that, like, if I was from, like, Connecticut or something, I would just kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I'm like, being Canadian, like, that's a little bit extra, kind of. That's a little yeah. That's a little bit extra. That's another extra layer of something, like, a little bit interesting about you, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, but, but I feel like you don't talk about it that much. Like, I didn't know you were Canadian until, like, six months after I met you. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to say that that's a, a conscious thing. Okay. I, I, I don't think. All I, right. I don't feel. I mean, I've just been in New York for, like, 12 years now. I've been in the States for probably for more than half my life. Right. So, you know. So you don't feel what, what was it? So the other day someone was, I think we heard some joke. I don't want to rip anyone's joke. But I heard some joke about how, like, people love, people have so much, like, pride for their home country. Yeah. But, like, the place you hear it most is when they live somewhere else. And yeah. they're like, yeah, I'm so proudly Canadian. It's like, <laughs> well, go back there. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're not that proud. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's, I, I'm from Jersey. I'm not, like, going around being like, dude, Jersey's the best day. Bruce Springsteen, yeah. like, I left. I will say Canada is a wonderful, Toronto is a wonderful place to, I, I there's a world in which I, I, you know, move back there at some point. Oh, it's, okay. it's a really nice place. So there is love for it. Um, I will say also, like, I'm not from fucking, like, Newfoundland, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Toronto is basically Chicago. Right. They're, they're very similar. Mixed with San Francisco a little bit. It's, again, I heard some joke where someone <laughs> said, like, Canada's, like, uh, a normal city. It's, like, when you go to a city in Canada, it's just, like, you're there and everything's normal, but something's kind of off. And, like, it's I heard a bit that. more Canadian than you're used to. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah right? Yeah. I disagree. I mean, Toronto is essentially an American city, yeah. right? Just in the same way that, like, rural Minnesota is a Canadian, is a Canadian, could be in Canada. Absolutely. Borderline is. Yeah, borderline yeah. is. So <laughs> I, I don't believe that the border makes that much of a difference. Right. Um, I say A, you know, uh -huh. and I say pasta, mm -hmm. and I say drama. Okay. And those always, those are pe people hear those and they're like, are you Canadian? Yeah. And uh, and then I, yeah, I get it pumped and I say, I say, yeah. Absolutely, I am. Um, but I, I don't think about it that much. But you're, you know what? You're right. I hide it. Yeah. Right? You know what? It's like See, 1940s Germany. I don't want anyone to know. <laughs> it's not that. There's nothing wrong with being Canadian. I I'm love Canadian people. It's just, keep it under wraps. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little under wraps with you. That's all. I think it's slightly I under wraps. I, honestly, I, dis I disagree with you. I don't think I keep it. I don't think there's any. You're implying that there's some kind of effort to keep it fucking suppressed <laughs> a little bit. I'm not hiding it. You're proud right. of Canadian. You know what? And every time I'm around you now, anytime I run into anyone, I'm just being like, I hope if, if I have a conversation for over five minutes, I'll just be like, hey, by the way, I just think you should know at this point that I'm Canadian. Yeah, go make I'll police. just make sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't give a fuck about hockey. Right. You know, yeah. I, uh, I, well, what, what else is, what other times would it come up? You know, uh, I mean, I'm, that's reductive, but go on. <laughs> Sorry. Let's move on to your night. I feel like I'm wasting, I'm you're, wasting you're your not, time now. No, because this there's game. a point to this question. Oh, well, yeah. And I'm still, I'm wasting time in the buildup, but go on. <laughs> As a Canadian though, who were your favorite comics growing up? Because to me, the, 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 sure. You know, I'm going to color your answer by saying this, that, like, my favorite all-time comedian growing up, especially when I was a kid, was Jim Carrey, who Same. was also Canadian. Same. Same? Same, yeah. Really? I didn't know that about you. Yeah, the only, the only comedy movies that I think are truly, truly brilliant movies yeah. that have 
that's completely stand up to rewatching are Ace Ventura and and Dumb and Dumber. Same. Yeah. I could not agree more. Yeah. We did not plan this. We didn't plan that. Yeah. yeah. But I Jim Carrey being Canadian yeah. didn't doesn't matter in, no. in that. Like I wasn't I wasn't like a huge SCTV kid yeah. growing up. You know, we had Second City in 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 Toronto. Um I wasn't even really into improv. Yeah. I I I always loved the movie Analyze This for some reason. Me too. I uh no, but I didn't really like you know J- John Candy. My my grandfather was actually John Candy's uh, psychiatrist. Really? Yeah. My grandfather was a, a grandfather was a, a Freudian psychiatrist, okay. uh, and he was John Candy's psychiatrist. Wow. Um, but I didn't really. You know what? I didn't really. I, I don't remember really giving a shit except uh, Ace Ventura. Yeah. That that movie really was important. I mean, important. I just watched no, it, it a lot. No, it was. It actually was important because I, I like when I was growing up. Um, you know, obviously Jim Carrey was huge. Like right. It was in the prime of his career. But, like, I wanted to, he was the first person I, I truly idolized. I wanted to be just like him. I used to stand in the mirror when I was, like, eight years old and dress with Hawaiian shirts with the T-shirt yeah. underneath yeah. and go, oh, righty then. <laughs> and, wanna, and I wanted to be, I, wor- I worshipped him. I, wor- I worshipped Jim Carrey. <laughs> and that, his style of comedy, which is the acting out and, and the um, exaggerations and the sketches, informed the way I, I see the world. It's so funny because, I mean, I think the first time I respected like comedic genius or whatever, and I, this is the last thing I thought I would be talking about because I never, I always hear these conversations and I never, like, it's such a, <laughs> like, you hear people talking about comedic genius on Marin and shit, and I'm yeah. always like, ah, I would never talk about that. I don't really care. <laughs> well, now you're, but, uh, now you're on the other Marin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'm not, but uh, Jim Carrey, when he does that thing in Ace Ventura, when he like, does an act out and then he goes and oh, no, i'm gonna rewind it or yeah. whatever and he goes <laughs> and he like goes through the same motion yeah. i was just like that is fucking genius yeah. but i i watched that and it was kind of like to me it was like watching someone skateboarding i was like cool i'm never gonna be able to do that and i frankly don't really care like it's not that's not my style like i was even seeing that as a seven-year-old like wow <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> the metaphor to skateboard, it couldn't be more perfect. Yeah. You're right. Every time I saw somebody skateboard, the immediate thing that I processed in my head was like, I'll never do that. That that that's that looks great. I'll never yeah. I'll never even be able to try. <laughs> yeah. And, and I and I still feel that way about Jim Carrey. When I go back and watch his old stuff, I'm like, that's something to strive for. I'll never I'll never get on that level. Like I got into Martin Short, you know, I mean recently yeah. you know i mean not into him but i, I didn't yeah. care at the time <laughs> i was a huge too. austin powers guy i Same. loved mike myers yeah um also canadian but not relevant well it, <laughs> sure i i see what you're doing there but um you know what i rewatched austin powers recently and i was just like yeah, yeah it's not as good as i remember well because it was for it was kind know, of four kids right Ace ventura you know holds up holds up as you get older um what else? Who are I mean, you know, and then and then the whole like Seth Rogen, Judd Apatow movement happened yeah. out of Canada. That was that was big. Yep. I mean, and and Judd Apatow's produced some of my favorite shows that ever existed. Yeah. You know, Freaks and Geeks, Larry Sanders show. Two favorite shows of all time. Uh, yeah. I loved those things, except I've never seen Freaks and Geeks. But uh, okay. uh I I can't say I really I can't say I really the Canadianness of the comedy didn't matter to me. I think I had more Canada pride about Mike Myers for some reason than Jim Carrey, mm, because I think that Mike Myers built in more of Canada into his into his the things that he made than Jim Carrey. Like Jim Carrey to me could have been 
from anywhere. Yeah. Same. You know, like when I, I think when I first learned that he like cut his chops at Yuck Yucks, which is like this shitty fucking comedy club. I would love to perform there, but <laughs> shitty comedy club in, in northern, uh, like up, you know, in North Toronto. Yeah. I was just like, what? Like that seems, it just didn't, it didn't click. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think, I think when you hear, let me tell you about life, but I think when yeah, you hear me. that a certain place breeds funny people or, um, I think, I think that comes from smaller towns typically. Yeah. Like, I think it comes from like a smaller town sensibility and just seeing wackos. I, I don't, I mean, in Toronto, like, you know, we had, we fucking ate popcorn and went to movies and went to buffets and like <laughs> had big malls and, and you know, it, yeah, and I don't know any alcoholics like intimately. You right. know what I mean? Like, right? I, what I, I didn't, right? I didn't have to like go pick up my mom's Percocet prescriptions and yeah. shit. Yeah, I yeah. feel like that's kind of the the play. You know, I didn't, I didn't take a sled to school. Right. <laughs> right? right. My dad was a car dealer. I had Jaguars and shit. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> I, I just don't feel like any of the things that really like you know created these these you know forged from the dark winters well, of whatever I, I don't know i don't have that i i feel that but still i think i think it's just an insecurity i'm just like oh, i didn't have any cool community i mean i got but you, some but i got had, some shit you but had no, no. characters i mean growing up in those places like where i grew up i grew up in a place where all the guys who lived in brooklyn in the 90s moved to the middle of nowhere in new jersey so there, sure. was, there was this migration yeah where like all these brooklyn people took over these rural farms yeah and like so, like you'd see like these these local Old Bridge people, which is the town that I was from. They'd be like, "Ah, oh, the damnedest thing! Some guy just called me a motherfucking cocksucking jerk off over yeah. on you know what I mean? Like because all these Brooklyn so you had guys, these two, you had the two worlds coming together. Yeah, they That's came wild. together, and uh, so I'm like on the farm, but surrounded by all these guys. Like, where can I get a good cup of coffee? I haven't had a good cup of coffee since I left Brooklyn, you know. Yeah. But like, I feel like where you like you must have had a similar blend in Toronto, right? Sort of, but like, um, there's a kid. <laughs> a comedian Ryan O'Toole who's from Boston and I can't remember where he said it but he's just he's talking I was talking he's like dude I grew up with retards right <laughs> <laughs> and uh and I was like I was like I bet you did you yeah, know yeah, and yeah. we didn't really I mean I will say that um I will I hate to to throw your question off but I think that like the reasons that I have whatever perspectives I have are not actually Canada based they're more because of the the, the the different kind of circles that both my parents existed in mm -hmm. and the the different kind of levels of society that I had exposure to from a, from a young age mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like uh, from you know six years old I was equally as comfortable uh, at like a taco truck you know 40 minutes outside of Toronto where you had to like walk to get there yeah as I was at like high tea at the four seasons. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. so i think so you're from like an every man of sorts in that way <laughs> i mean sure if that yeah if that's every i i appreciate that yeah, yeah. some people would just say oh you're spoiled and your parents were foodies <laughs> but um <laughs> i uh i appreciate that but yeah. i think it's just like i was um i became i don't want to say disenchanted because I, I appreciate experiences but i think i could sit in environments and 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 think about them without being floored by them, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I got used to being in a lot of different places. So I kind of, I guess I could like observe better than someone who was just experiencing something entirely new for the first time. Yeah. 
Yeah, and why why is that exactly? If you don't mind me asking, like, why is what? W- well, why were you able huh? to like? Why were you able to have these diversity of experiences? Like, what what was? Uh, you keep saying diversity. You keep saying these words that are generous, and I, I that kind of <laughs> shit throws me off. I'm like, don't give me any credit here. But how did you be able to plug yourself into these different scenarios yeah, through just, what your parents? Was, I mean, offered. my dad, my dad, and my mom. Yeah. I mean, you know, they they seem like they were well rounded people. Yeah, I, they both. My my dad was a rounder. I mean, no one really knows what that means usually, but card player, right? No, I mean that's I. So it's funny because I have all these expressions from him that I'm like, you don't know what that means, and then someone will be like, no, this is what it means, and I'll just realize like, you know, ten years later or twenty years later that he just had it wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> he was kind of like a city slicker, I yeah. guess. Like yeah. you know, he he got when he was younger, he was like. He was a car dealer. He sold to all the important people in Toronto. And so he, like, got invited. He was, like, a man about town, you know, like, leather jacket, like, knew all the cool parties, like, did blow on a glass table. (laughs) Um, And and so he really loved fancy shit. Yeah. But he also really loved, um, like, real characters. Right, right, right. So we would do a lot. And my mom was very involved in the art scene. And she was, you know, sophisticated, but also would take us for like you know we'd go deep in Chinatown every Sunday and 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 um and you know and go see her parents in the middle of nowhere and blah 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 like so i think yeah. they both had their own little worlds that i was i was exposed to yeah and never together yeah. you know yeah 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 and then um what i always say is like you know my brother and i could just fuck we my dad had a car dealership as as i said so we had a i had a car when i was 16 so like my brother and I, and we didn't really eat dinner at home very often, so we could just fuck off and go like anywhere. Like my brother and I, I, I don't even really remember if this is true, but I say it so much, so I believe it at this point. We <laughs> yeah. were like, you know, original kind of foodie people that we would be like, oh, where are we going on Thursday? We'd be like, we'd get out of math class and then go eat at some tasting menu in like, you know, thirty minutes outside of the city, yeah, or whatever. Which, uh, for I mean, we were precocious, we were chubby and precocious, and yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> But that's unique, though. I mean, there's not a lot of... Uh, that is a unique perspective. There's not a lot of, uh, I think, young kids that even thought that way are able to have yeah. the opportunity to do what you were doing. Um, a, I guess you're saying it's mainly because you had a car, but maybe your parents opened you up to the concept of exploring the world in a deeper way, which for me was something I had to figure out on my well, own. Well, let's talk about the coddling of the American mind and how it has destroyed <laughs> society. Yeah, no, that's I exactly what I was asking. They were the right balance. My mom was protective, yeah. um, but open to experiences and my dad was very much the person who was like you know when your mom's not looking go take your bike and drive it off a cliff or whatever and (laughs) he's like and then climb up the wall because you know or because that's how you're gonna you know that's how you're gonna learn about yourself yeah whatever and do you find that you've you've you've, uh continued that mantra as you go through your life now i have an immense appreciation for the fact that i don't really have much fear of the world yeah i don't think you do either right like there's not much that scares me and i think i mean i think it's because we were you know trial not trial by fire but like exposure therapy whatever you know occasionally you push enough kids out on their bikes Uh at a young age one's gonna get hit by a car you know what i mean like i get the impulse right to restrain from um giving your kids the full exposure to life because they might die but um i think the ones that survive that uh, actually probably function in the world better huh whatever i mean it's, I'm, it's, I'm miserable sometimes <laughs> whatever. That's, that's, I'm no, we, we really... i haven't cracked the fucking code <laughs> sorry go on 
next next question. No, no, no. We're still on the same question. We had really similar uh, upbringings, actually. Like, mm-hmm. um, my dad was also a salesman and like a man about town and that kind of thing. Where everybody, he like knew everybody and everybody liked him. He had this really, he has, I mean, he has this really charismatic personality. And my mom was like a, mm-hmm. um, a cold. You either die a hero or live long enough to see, <laughs> see yourself, yourself become the villain. I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And then. Uh, and uh, my mom was a cold, calculated business lady, but she was really big on just getting out and doing things. She never uh, told okay. me not to do anything. Explore yeah. the world. Don't be scared. Um, so if you're like this... Yeah, early- my dad was an original yes man. He yeah. was like very... Before you would start to see that in like corny airport books and stuff, he was very much like... Like, oh, here's an example. If I got invited to something, like even if it was a kid I didn't like being like, yeah, come to whatever for the weekend or like <laughs> yeah. come to like some mountain and fucking, you know, toboggan or even if I didn't like the guy, he'd be like... And he would find out about it. He'd be like, oh, you know, George offered you, uh, like, George invited you to his small cabin in the middle of nowhere uh, for the weekend. And I'm like, yeah, but, Dad, I don't like George. He goes, it's an experience. you got to do it. Yeah. And uh, so I think I think that's a good thing. And that's really the only way to kind of merge your perspective on things is by having those types of experiences, right? Like, that, I feel like that's when I get the most educated. Yeah, and now I'm really close with George. Are you? No. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I, don't know, but <laughs> I just I knew that would get you. <laughs> But uh, I'm slightly more interested now in, like, what you said about um, going on kind of food adventures as a little kid. Because mm. nobody else – I feel like the food thing started – this is my perception as a person who's not involved in the food world – started with, like, Bourdain show in the, in, in, in the 90s and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, suddenly it was like, we're all going to eat street food and we all want to be cool. And these are not things I ever thought about before. Mm-hmm. Like, I had never even thought about, like, food as right. a way to expand my mind. Right. You know? Um, but it sounds like you were on to that – as a kid, because of the way your parents were and the uh, resources that you had available to you, has that in any way informed how you did ultimately grow up to be in food? Like, were you like, I would love to carry this with me? Like, you know what I mean? Did you see it as, hmm. like, is this something you planned on, or did the universe kind of like usher you in this direction since you were a kid? Yeah, I, I, I have a kind of a simple, boring answer, but my family yeah. on both sides was very well. My mom and my dad and my dad's sister were extremely. Um, into food. My dad's sister is a is a, a very famous uh, Canadian cookbook author named Lucy Waverman. And with the same kind of, you know, uh, absolute disregard for safety schedules, whatever, <laughs> she would just go anywhere and eat anything. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think I was trained from a young age to know that restaurants and food things could be a very cool experience and could be a way of like starting to, to it could be a way of like knowing, learning more about a city, about a place, about people, culture, you know? So, um, I think that's it. And then how I ended up in food. I mean, do you want me to give you that? Well, cause like, was I guess where I'm going? This is like, was it like I want to be a, a media producer? I want to be a media person, or was it like I'd love? To, I'd like to actually focus on food because it's something I'm. No, yeah. So my seeking. first, the first thing I thought I wanted to do was be Howard Stern. Okay, so comedy was first. Um, yeah, but I actually <laughs> didn't see Howard Stern as a comedian. Okay, I knew it was a funny show, but I thought I didn't. I didn't see. Like, I, I would have said, like, I want to do radio, yeah. not that I want to do uh, a, a comedy radio show. Gotcha. Right? I actually don't really like anything that calls itself comedy. Okay. Yeah, me neither, really. Um, You know, like, Howard Stern would never say he's got the funniest show. He said he got the most entertaining, you know, yeah. I think. 
it, to the point where like even when I when I see Howard, um, I think Howard's, you know, just watch a clip of Howard and it's like you don't even you can't really articulate why he's so good at what he does, yeah. right? But it's just like I, now you I'm seeing all these old uh, Howard Stern TV clips on on Instagram. Um, Stern, I think it's like Stern T at Stern TV, and they put up like an hour new clip from Howard TV every day. And I obviously watch every single fucking one of them. It's such a stupid waste of time. <laughs> but um, he is so, yeah, he's just so engaging. But uh, the point I was making is like when I would hear about him like going on Letterman or whatever, and like having a funny set on Letterman, yeah, I would just be like, he's not a comedian. Yeah, what, he's not funny. He's not funny like that. Like, what's right. he? What's he doing? So he's an entertainer. He's an entertainer. Yeah. So I always wanted to get. I always wanted to get into radio. I, I think what I loved about Howard was he was like sort of behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not, uh, it wasn't like doing red carpets and stuff like that. He wasn't in movies. Right. I always liked that. Um, so yeah, I actually ended up interning there uh, and I fucking hated it. Really? Yeah. They weren't nice to me cause I was like kind of lazy. I mean, it was a whole, <laughs> it was a whole mess. Did you get, uh, did you get to meet him? Not even really. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> My dad was also like sort of dying at the same point. Uh, okay. So I was like, kind of checked out but i was also i think that they were all kind of like they you know they had a click yeah. and i think if i did it now i'd get hired right yeah. like yeah, i'd yeah. be great at it right. but i i i was like a little bit starstruck and i think like i was intimidated by their click and yeah. i didn't know how to just be like i didn't know how to be you know friendly and fun yeah and uh i just i, I didn't do that good a job i made a song that i that you know, I don't know if it got on the air. I know Howard heard it about Robin. Huh. That was really good. Like I did some good things. Yeah. But um, but after that, I you know I I really just didn't enjoy being there because you know what? Because I was a punk bitch. Yeah. And if you could, I mean, and you can say that about any any it, it, even though that's a really cool like first foray into mm -hmm. into media, but like you can say that about any kind of first real opportunity that you have like i go back and like why was i behaving the way i was behaving yeah. right so i don't i don't think that's necessarily a unique experience to just the howard stern show or maybe what you were going through at that time um but still it's 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 interesting that you you carried on though because sometimes people get scared off by that like you know like you, this sounds like it was your dream right you liked howard your whole life you get your first opportunity <laughs> at the howard stern show and suddenly you don't fit in you don't feel like you're doing a good job yeah. you're disengaged <laughs> you know? i mean that's generous i don't feel like i carried on i was like <laughs> i went to culinary school after so <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah but i mean as you mentioned at the beginning of the show you now you have a, a podcast with fox and right, you right. produce videos at, for eater yeah. so you i i i've always I've always known this about you without you actually articulating it, and I, mm -hmm. and I and I and you've taught me something, which is that there is something to just being somebody who generally produces media and entertainment that isn't bucketed as like you're a comic, you're a radio announcer, you're mm. you know what I mean. Like I feel like you've you've taught you've taught me how how that you can view the world that way to like leveraging what you're good at to to just spread a message. <laughs> I think I, yeah, but I, as. I appreciate that. Yeah. But also I'm just probably like hand wringing because like I've only really made shit about food. And yeah. so I'm just like, I don't just make shit about food. And it's like, <laughs> well, show me something else you've made. And I'm like, hold, please. Let me give me a few years. <laughs> well, you make shit about food, but you also talk to a lot of interesting people. And I know you from the stand up side and I know your comedy is not about food. So it's like you do. I have wish it was. Honestly, <laughs> I everyone's always like you should talk about because you know what? I, it's the funny thing about stand up is that like I think some of the best bits are food are food based yeah. right like i wish i had more food stuff and i just i don't know i just it doesn't 
I, I like ranting about food, but yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I, it's never really it's not funny to it's you. It's not that it's not funny. Yeah. I just, it doesn't come naturally to me to, to make food jokes right. in the same way. Because food's serious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's more that like the things I find funny in food are hyper specific kind of like cultural clashes. Yeah. And there's just so much backstory and context that you need to give people like in order for in order for it to work. Like I would love to have a great bit about like um, drive through like on a road trip at just, you know, uh, the best. A lot of the best comedians have a McDonald's or like a burger, you know, like a big yeah. chain or like just a very a pizza bit or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you're right. So I think I would like to come up with something. Um, it's similar to like dating, you know, it's just like everyone gets it and, but it's less, um, I think it's less kind of over, uh, overwrought. That's not the word I'm looking for, but it's less destroyed at this point than dating. Cause like every fucking thing is a dating app joke. Yeah. It's, I don't think anyone, if you go up and do funny shit about McDonald's, no one's going to be, you're not going to get off stage and they're going to be like, you know, ugh, more McDonald's content. You're right. But they will about dating apps. That's totally true. And there's uh. I, yeah, like I don't feel like there's a ton of people doing jokes about food except me. Like I do, <laughs> but I'm jealous. No, I think, and one of the things is like I think what I love about stand up is like what frustrates me occasionally about work and not, and not you know, because I would just love, I still would love to do what Howard does, right? Like right. I would love to have a show where I can just fuck around, yeah, for a couple hours and then leave. Like that is just that sounds, and then go do fucking kettlebells or whatever. Yeah. Like that just sounds like the best fucking life. I'm with you, and. So what I do at work is is always very constrained, yeah. right? Like, um, so I think part of it is that in stand-up, I, tr I try to, I mean, none of this is conscious, but I think I do things that I would never be able to talk about at work. Right. You know, that I, because either they're, I don't know, like not politically correct or that they're not about food. Yeah. And again, not necessarily restrained to the food industry that you're in. Like I talk about things at stand up that I would never talk about at work either. You know what I mean? Right. It gives you that that outlet to to really be the person that you are. Right. Underneath it all, <laughs> and, and and leverage yourself. But, <laughs> but I still love food. I still love food shit. Like I would like to talk about food stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. And 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 you do a great job doing that. But but in, about food. So like, uh, you work at Howard Stern, and then you said you went to the culinary intern. school and cooked for a year. Yeah. Uh, intern, sorry. Right. So my dad, um, I don't exactly know what this timeline was, but I was at Howard Stern. Dad was sick. Yeah. Eventually, like, kind of finished my undergrad. I finished undergrad two years late because I'm a schlub. Nice. Um, finished undergrad and went home because my dad was getting transferred to a hospital in Toronto. And then he died. And then I was like, cool, epic, yeah. what do I do? Right. And then I had, you know, like enough money to do it. So I was just like, I've always wanted to go to culinary school. I'd rather be in the States. I don't really have a way of getting to the States right now because I don't have a job there because like I kind of ended things to go back. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I can go to a six month culinary school program. That sounds like fucking summer camp, dude. <laughs> and I was probably like 25 and I was just like, that's Shit, a dream. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah. Right. And I was so ripped too, which I was just like, when my dad was sick, I got so jacked. Yeah. I was like doing the only carb I consumed was like <laughs> tequila sodas every night. But, um, I really was like fucking ripped. Like I can show you photos. Like that's I had, <laughs> I had actual like Jew abs and Did not really? like uncomfortable, like 
jacked Jew abs, yeah. like the guy that just looks like he spends way too much time like, in the gym yeah, and he has, has to have no red athletic hair. talent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just like hulking. I had like good, like good, oh, that kid looks like he played the cross in college abs. Okay. You know? And um, <laughs> why are you telling me this? Because <laughs> I remember being in culinary school, okay. just knowing I had all these chef whites on, oh, but abs underneath. But knowing how good you looked in the, in the Underneath. In the, gotcha. Yeah. That was okay. the prime. That was my physical prime. So your motivation for going to culinary school was to take pictures well, of the Even chef when whites. I went in, I was like, I'm not going to eat Burblancs. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to fucking try the Burblancs. I'm going to keep my fucking abs. Right. Right, right, right. But no, I mean, I'm I've, it's perpetually 15, 10 to 15 pounds overweight. I don't know if I'll ever change. I, I think I will. You ask me if I'm going to be ripped in a month, I'll probably tell you yes. But I, the, uh, would I bet on it? No. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. The abs had nothing to do with culinary school, but I just haven't talked about them in a long time. No, it sounds like you were really, really in shape. Yeah, I was, yeah. That sounds, yeah. did you get to take any pictures, like, holding the knives, kind of like, you know, cross your arms with the, with <laughs> no, the gun one, showing? There's the only picture of me with abs is I was sitting cross-legged on the beach. Ah. And I look like a dork who's got some strange abdominal definition. <laughs> and so, like, whatever. I thought about throwing it on a dating app a while ago, but I was like, well, it's nine years ago. But um, <laughs> but I was like, I see the impulse. Yeah, I, uh, you sound terrifying with abs. I, I find you, I just find this image of you scary. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. You just seem like, you're making it sound like you're threatening in some mm. ways. You're like, yeah, I was completely ripped. I was completely cut. Yeah. Other Jews were scared of me. I was no. the most jacked Jew in, in Toronto. And uh, I, I don't think it. <laughs> I think, I think, like full, I mean, I'm you know, I would say I'm slightly above average size, six one ish. Yeah. You're tall. Yeah, for how big I am, I'm probably like the least intimidating. You know, because I've got some. I'm not. You know, yeah. I got some. Like, I, you I have a more intimidating presence than a physical intimidation. <laughs> you know, people touch my arm sometimes, and they're like, "They're bigger than I thought." And wow. Like, you know. Okay. Like, oh, you lifting? I'm like, who you know, does, who does a lot that? more than you think, but um. Anyway, so in culinary school, and then I, at the end of, at the end of the day, I ate the beurre blanc and I lost it, and then, um, and then I went to grad school because I was just like, how can I give uh, education systems that achieve nothing more money? <laughs> right. And uh, while in grad school, I, you know, I studied fucking, I don't remember, like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, I did journalism, but right. I, it was basically reading The Great Gatsby again, like undergrad, like for every class. Really? Um, no, I mean, uh, but it was yeah, essentially yeah. another English lit degree. Nice. Uh, but then I, while I was there, I started interning at Eater, producing their podcast. Cause along the way, um, i I made beats for a bit. <laughs> so I knew how to do that. Were you Jack during that time? No, I, okay. I, I, I was on a lot of Adderall though. Okay. Um, even better. Yeah. Which <laughs> Adderall and being jacked work are, don't work together, but help. Right. It, Adderall is the best way to get jacked. It's and a good way to be miserable in, in the long run, probably, right. but great. It's the best way to get jacked because you don't eat and you have so much energy for the gym. And it's a great way to make beats because you're on Adderall, yeah. you're jacked, you're making yeah. beats, and then at that point you can become a DJ. And it also, it's like you said at the beginning, like for me, I think the biggest thing that I deal with in life is anything that I decide to do immediately becomes work. Right. And then I need Adderall to do it. Um, <laughs> real, so, real quick, when I was in college, I had an, yeah. I had an illegal paper writing business. with. Um, Did you? Yeah, with nice. my roommate. Um, it was really his business, but I was a primary employee. Right. It was called Paper Heroes. You know what's rare? What? Legal paper writing businesses, right? But they don't exist. Right. Right. That, I mean, it's illegal. Also, also it's, don't give yourself so much credit that it was illegal. It was like underground. It was right? underground. Like, yeah. And it was It was more immoral than illegal. Right. Right. There's no what <laughs> deep, deep Throat isn't going to fucking expose you guys here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing's gonna, there's going to be no repercussions. Right. I went to college 11 years ago. You know what I mean? But... But we had this business, That's and um, we you, used to write. Yeah. Sometimes we'd spend all weekend sitting together writing papers for like football players and stuff like that. Was it that. fun? Yeah, it was a blast. So yeah. it, and back then, we were charging like 10, 15 bucks a page. 
you know how much money that is? Oh, like when shit. you're working yeah. jobs that make you make seven dollars an hour. You know, I was like, I'm banging out pages. I'm making tons of money doing this. It's great. That's cool. It was it was super fun. And uh, I remember one weekend, my roommate Tom could not get access to Adderall, and he looked at me. He goes, "This is gonna cripple the business. <laughs> this is the crux of the business." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, funny. we were the, we were the. Paper I mean, heroes. it is. Uh, uh, yeah, we guaranteed an A. Really? A B, a, B, a B or greater. Well, you said guaranteed an A. You yeah, sold yeah, it a little. Yeah, but yeah, um, I, I went back. And then you what? <laughs> get, or you'd give the money back? Well, that's a separate thing. Like, if if there was only one time that he, my my partner failed, he failed a paper. And he was like, we just have to duck this guy for life. <laughs> Dude, well, how did you end up? This guy's like the fuck it. It's like a bookie of, of paper writing. Yeah, he was a, he was a, a fascinating guy. This was my old roommate, Tom. But uh, but anyway, I just wanted to get that off the ball. Get no, that's out. really funny. Yeah. Adderall, I mean, Adderall is, is the best fuel for anything. Right. I've actually never tried it, but. Uh, You'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why I've never it's tried it. It's great for like making music and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. so. Uh, Okay, I don't so, remember where I was well, doing Adderall, but I, uh, I yeah, so I... You're making beats. You're doing Adderall. beats, so I knew yeah. how to make podcasts and stuff, so I yeah. made this... Um, I'm going to sneeze. Am I? Fine. Okay. Keep this in. You're not allowed to sneeze anymore in 2021. Uh-huh. That makes me nervous. <laughs> Bless you. Sneezes are still... I like... I, I, I think about that all the time. Like, <laughs> when I sneeze on a train, I'm always interested if people are going to be, like, thrown off by a sneeze in the way they would by a cough. I think they are, right? No, sneeze I don't think so. Cool? Sneeze is cool? Sneeze is always cool. Yeah. When you see when you're on a train though, and somebody coughs, coughs even yeah. even I'm like, oh come on. If they sneeze, <laughs> in high, I was in a room. So I uh, maybe we'll get to this, maybe not. But yeah. the primary thing I do at work is I make videos about restaurants. Yeah. And I remember right as COVID was hitting, I was at this restaurant in LA, and there was this woman who was like, I guess she was like ran the PR for the restaurant, and she was just sitting in the back corner, and it's just like March 11th. Yeah. Right before, I mean, we all knew that COVID was a thing, but. It was still like sort of a joke, right. I mean, depending on what circle you were in. Yeah. And this woman was just in the corner, just fucking coughing <laughs> for an entire day. <laughs> it just and and we we're like, is she fine? Does she have that COVID thing? And he's like, oh no, she she just coughs a lot. And I was like, I don't believe that. I think, she, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Her actually, her there were funny some funny lines in her obituary, but um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> cracked me up on that one. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But um. Yeah, so anyway, I started um, making podcasts for Eater. I started, like, editing their show. Nice. And similar to how you do this, actually, um, it was it's, it's amazing to me how little people know, even video people, about audio engineering. Yeah. It's like it takes not that much work to make things sound good. So I, like, you know, I, I didn't even think it was impressive at all, but yeah. I cut it to a place where, it, you know, it was a little faster. I cut some fat, and I was always very good at... Uh, they liked it because I was very good at, like, I knew what beats to end things on so they could seem funny. Mm -hmm. um, they were funny, but. And there is an, there is an art to that. There, yeah. there is a skill to that, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I did that. And then I just, uh, so I joined Eater uh, full time. And then I just started making videos for them because a combination of they wanted to keep me because I'm Canadian. I needed a visa. Yeah. So I just, um, because I could use the audio software, I, like, taught myself how to use the video software. Huh. And then, uh and then now we're here now yeah. we're in your fucking apartment <laughs> now right? you really made podcast and yeah <laughs> yeah I, it's funny because like you never went in that deep when i first met you i asked how you got into this you're like yeah i just taught myself how to make videos well I, yeah that is true in a sense because um it's very hard to tell someone else how to edit a thing yeah so i i have a lot of trouble articulating flow for other people 
Yeah. So I, I would always like, because I was a producer, so I would always see cuts and then I'd be like, trim this thing. So I just like started, taught myself how to do it because like it's so much easier to just trim things yourself. Mm-hmm. And now, now I see the matrix, you know, right. I'm the fast setter in the West. Um, <laughs> And I can't imagine what is life to go through, uh, what is like to go through life without knowing how to use Adobe Premiere. You know, it's <laughs> tragic. So, <laughs> but um, so now that you're expertly producing videos, though, yeah, right, and 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 you do have some re- like some great videos. Um, where where do you view as your role? Because in in some ways, <laughs> you've uh, you you have. I, I know. I, I and I I don't mean to overflatter you. I know that uh, you don't like these types of compliments, but like. I do feel like that you take you've you've drawn from your whole experience, kind of rode the wave to a place where you're doing exactly what the universe is intending for you to do at this time. But right. what do you do with your role now that you have a platform and an audience and skills? Yeah, and you still have this relationship with food, right? So where where where, where is it all heading? Well, I I do care. I mean, okay, so I I essentially make like two categories of videos. I make these kind of fifteen minute profiles of fancy restaurants. Yeah, and those are really. Those are really how I figured out to get how to get good and how to uh, not beat YouTube, but like that. Those taught me a lot about how YouTube's algorithms work, and through YouTube's algorithms, I kind of learned how to. I learned about engagement. Like I know yeah. how people receive things, and I know how to kind of keep people entertained. So I made a lot of those. Those did really well, and then I started recently doing some things where like I'm in it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> which must be really cute. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, you get used to everything, but yeah. Um, yeah, I love it because I think that I can add characters to some stories that I actually care about. I really care about um, close your ears, sustainability, especially with seafood practices. Yeah, barf. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's barf. I think I think that's. Like, I asked like what your. <laughs> What's Dude, your, you have no idea. Everyone just stopped listening. No, you just lost I don't think every so. single listener. I don't think so. I think people probably actually just turned the volume up. They're like, "Wait a second, is he going to talk about sustainability for a second? Yeah. Now so, this got interesting. So if I can make things that are funny and about like you know uh, high tech muscle farming and how that makes the world a better place. Yeah. And essentially, like a lot of these things are misconceptions. I think like a lot of people eat seafood thinking it's better for you and better for the planet. Yeah. Um. It is in some cases, but right. I think we need a more nuanced understanding of these things. Farmed is sometimes good. Wild is sometimes good. Yeah, um, it's complex. It's all kind of complex. So what do I see my role is in now? Like if I can, essentially, if I can find shit that's cool that yeah. I think can make uh, for good content that is good for the world, yeah. then that's a win. Okay. Having said that, you know, like... Um, that can come culturally too. I made this video in Toronto about this this dude named Jack, who is a, uh, a Cantonese guy. Toronto's Cantonese community is huge. It's the Chinese food that I grew up on. Yeah. Who roasts? You know, who's a who's a barbecue? He does Chinese barbecue, and you know, I, I'm not thrilled about kind of glorifying this mass uh, consumption of 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 pigs, especially, you know, ones that aren't raised by some guy who like names every single one of them and like sleeps with them or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but from a cultural perspective, that one was really cool too, because so many people were like, this is my grandfather's story. I got so many DMs when I put this thing out about like, this is my family story. I've huh. never seen this kind of thing represented before. Yeah. It's just, you know, we're, I sent this to my whatever in whatever. So that was kind of, you know. Yeah. Cause you're, 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 
lovely too. You're moving the needle in some ways for, uh, you know, for these people that feel underrepresented. That kind of stuff is is really nice, and it's like I'm pretty cynical. And then some of those some of those DMs were like were nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, my my role, I guess I don't know. I I, I always I just think like I kind of make things. Yeah. Like make videos, make podcasts. I think you just described your role, though. I mean, that sounds like exactly what you're doing is is, is uncovering these 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 niches that other people aren't and i do think that, that empowers people to to learn more about like you know there's so many problems in the in the mm-hmm. fucking country as you might have noticed this is one i think i don't it's not necessarily a small way it's a small way with a deep impact that actually does make a difference in in bringing down some of these walls like because everybody knows like you can say in a cliche way like oh food is how we you know communicate but like food and then a, a, a knowledge of like this is who these people are actually is it does transcend that those spec the, the the walls and the barriers that people have up around race right yeah i mean it's important it's cool it's great yeah. sure yeah. yeah how do you get back to the comedy right, wake up everyone it's time for <laughs> jokes again <laughs> Uh, well, how do you get back to that? I mean, like, where where does it fit in, right? Dan Janine right now is hosting the Eaters Digest podcast, and he's producing videos for Eater. He's moving the dial in the food world Jesus. by exposing areas, <laughs> by exposing areas, <laughs> exposing people that you might not have heard of uh, that are doing interesting things in food. And he's also doing stand-up hey, Close comedy. your notes app. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. He's, he's, he's I'm a, doing this off the cuff, yeah, buddy. No, no, no. Um, he's... Uh, and he's also doing stand-up. So where, ideally, where's your life going, man? Where, oh, where, I don't Like, what do you want? Whatever. Do you have a goal? Do you have goals? Or are you just, you're just kind of riding with whatever opportunity opens up for you and then going as hard as you can in it? Like, I'm going as hard as I can at stand-up and at, and at some work things. Okay. I mean, and at work things. But right? where's it heading? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. uh, am I, you know, am I going to do some food show where I'm traveling around eating shit? Like, I, that, you know, not yeah. impossible. Sure, something like that. But... I, I like stand up. Like I, I like. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't like it before it happens. Like we're gonna go to a mic now. I'm like, I don't want to do that mic. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I've got some cool shows coming up. I'm like, I don't want to. I'd rather stay home. I really yeah, would rather I'm like, I need stay this mic home <laughs> and watch bad action movies. Right. Um, I love the pursuit of it. I think that I think that I have a good skill set for shaping things that. I l- I'm trying to nurture, so I- I'm really I'm trying to do more stand up. Yeah. I- I'm trying to do as much as I can. I'm trying to see what happens with it. You know, it- is it the kind of thing where I just get good enough that I'm hanging out with people, and you know, we make a thing that you know I get plucked like Seinfeld, bro. You know, and <laughs> whatever. I'm, I-, I also am not like I'm also not like I'll make I'll have it I'll, when I have an NBC sitcom. Like that's gonna be it for me. Like I don't yeah. I don't really care about that either. Right. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I just know right now it feels good to push as hard as I can at, yeah. at that. Um, and that's probably all that matters in the end. Do you remember, do you remember that show man versus food? I have a hunch that you're not a fan of it. I, I found that guy a little corny. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was corny. Adam Richmond. Yeah. And I think he wound up being kind of like anti-Semitic in some way or something like he had, he had some problems. People didn't yeah. like him, but, uh, I, I, I would have been the perfect candidate to do that job. I would have loved to do that show. Like, go around and try things? Like, go around and try things, win eating competitions. Oh, right. Eat the spiciest. Yeah. Like, he sometimes would, like, do spicy competitions. I would love to do that, and I would win. Right. And I would have... Talk to me about his anti-Semitism. What? I think I confused him with Guy Fieri, honestly, for a second. Guy Fieri (laughs) was accused of being homophobic a long time ago. I, I don't think that was true. Yeah. Adam Richman might actually be Jewish. 
he's obviously Jewish. Yeah, right. He, like, yeah. <laughs> most of his shows took place in a deli. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He, he was born in a deli. So I, I, yeah, he was born in a deli. So he, I mixed it up, but I used to watch his show and just be like, I could easily do this job, and I would love it. Right. It would be my dream, and I would win. He always lost. You, you know think he I mean? would crush the spicy would, shit? Definitely. But, like, we all just have truly different tolerances, and, you know, you have your limit. I have my limit. I just saw him lose competitions that I would, I know I would have won. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I would have, like, he also lost a lot of food competitions that I know I would have won. Right. Now, I'm not saying I agree that food competition should even exist because that's such so a... So you're pitching me a show. <laughs> Dan, yeah, how yeah, can yeah. you make this happen right. for me? So, so, yeah. that, so you think you would have won it, and that's your goal? That's your goal, to, to do man versus food? Yeah. <laughs> like, I would do something like that and be really happy with myself. Like, if I could look at the right. camera, make stupid jokes, and eat as much as I can, that would be a great life. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I would be that good at that because, like, I think I battle with this, too. I think I'm more cynical than positive. I think you're more positive than cynical. Thank you. So I think you'd be better at that job than I am. I feel like you want to wrap up. You want to wrap up? I just want to wrap up. I don't want to use too much of your time, and we got to go to the mic. What time is it? Well, it's, uh... 3.05? 3.02, because we're going to hop in the Uber, like, now. We're going to miss the mic. All right. Well, whatever you want. I mean, we could probably do six more minutes. <laughs> I, 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 let me say this. I really appreciate you doing my podcast. Oh, no worries. I know you hate this, but uh, thanks for doing the Real People Pod. You think I hate podcasting or you think I hate being... Uh, I think you hate being told I really appreciate oh, yeah. that you're doing this. Um, but, you know, I think you're a really interesting guy, so uh, I'm glad that you did it. And um, I, hopefully my audience takes something away from this conversation. I think they will. What are they going to take away? They're going to learn how to leverage their talents to, uh, to, to, to be what they want by doing micro, by achieving micro goals. Oh, and, Jesus. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, push, and, and, and being the person that they always wanted to be. Look for Dan in his next video. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. If you like this, um, please follow me on Parlor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got 3 million followers on there, so he's an influencer on Parlor. So make sure you follow Dan. Yeah, my name on Twitter is at Alex Berenson. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening, Dan. Th uh, audience, thanks for coming on, Dan. Hey, get vaccinated. Uh, even yeah. if it warps you, it'll be fun so we can all party and shit together. Exactly, because if there is a negative intention behind the vaccine, like if there is a big global right. conglomerate we'll of evil reptilians, the, but the reason they're doing it is to augment the DNA of some future race of, of, of right, humans. Right. So our lives will be fine. If you're not having kids, it doesn't really fucking matter. I was talking to a fitness instructor today who his he joked that he made like nine times was, uh, he goes, hey, but at least we have Apple Pay in our arms now. And he kept going, oh, how much? Okay, beep. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Which is, yeah, you know, probably not far off. Yeah. Yeah, and in the Bible. All okay. right. All right, man, thanks for coming. See you soon. <laughs> All right, folks, that was my interview with Daniel Janine, host of the Eater's Digest podcast. I'd like to thank you for coming on. Hey, check out the Village Idiot Comedy Show on April 21st, 7.30 p.m.